Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podside, everyone, and uh, I, I suppose we should say aloha to our co-hosts, Chris, Kurt, Gents. How you doing? Hey there. I'm doing well, human Carlo. No. <laughs> it's well, me, you know. regular Kurt. I haven't been replaced <laughs> by a bio droid. <laughs> oh, no. You know, I you, experience you, emotions just like... Us, just like us humans. <laughs> you started with that, and and every time I heard the line that line uh, in the movie, which is uh, for everyone listening out uh, out there, it, it, we're going to be talking about the 1992 uh, Albert Puniverse movie uh, Nemesis. Yes, you know the first one. I did not realize that this was this became like a whole franchise. Yeah, um, I, I did want to discuss that because I recently went through them all. So I, I did want to discuss. Oh, you're that. brave. You're a brave man. Oh yeah. I watched about half of the second one, and I was like, you know, as much as I agree with Albert Pune that it is very cool that there are female bodybuilders and and they are very you know they can they can act and do cool stunts like heck. I don't know that it's enough to carry this film. <laughs> <laughs> All right. More on that later. More on that yes. later. Yes, we'll put a pin in that. Um, but yeah, like uh, Kurt, whenever they use the, uh, they're going to replace us. I just kept on imagining like uh, a cyborg torchlight uh, march. You know, going. We oh, will no. replace you. It's like no, no, no. Stop thinking that. Brain, stop it. Just enjoy the explosions. God damn it! Everybody is is wearing a uh, Hawaiian shirt in this movie. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. And the, the proud cyborgs. That sounds. That sounds awful. <laughs> oh no! C- cyborgs going their own way. And <laughs> oh my god! The, cy- the cyborgs like like the cyborgs getting beat up to to become part part of the proud cyborgs, uh, and they have to recite like uh, I, I don't 12, even know what would be different like types like, of uh, soil uh, or something. Well, yeah, like it can't be like uh, you know breakfast cereals because what does a cyborg have to do? Twelve with different breakfast CPU cereals? manufacturers. <laughs> <laughs> it's Intel. Is yeah. Nvidia. Anyway, all right. So uh, do we do we really want to? I mean, this is. Uh, I, I think we were uh, Chris and I were talking a little bit uh, before we started about like, is there. I mean, there, there's a, the, the the thinnest bit of a plot. Mm. I, I do feel like this movie is basically a a delivery uh, vehicle for many explosions, mm-hmm. squibs, well, guns, and stunts. <laughs> yeah, I, I think in practice that is completely correct. In theory, I actually think it has a very complicated plot that is impossible to follow and doesn't matter. That's right. Um, yeah. 
And yes, I can certainly try to explain what that is. And if if I, I would also, I would love to briefly read the opening monologue, which is very oh. evocative. If you don't mind, go, go for, for it. it. So, so the film begins with, um, gosh, what is uh, Alex Rain? Alex mm-hmm. Rain, which I love. I love that at some point in the film, somebody's like Alex Rain. That, that's a great fake name. <laughs> um, but we begin with him reflecting. He says, when the uplink came through with the work orders, I had a strange feeling that everything was about to change. Maybe it just had something to do with the way the world is today. Bio-enhanced gangsters, information terrorists, cyborg outlaws, everything so suge- congested with high-tech overload that it starts to feel a little numb. It was an old saying in this business, it pays to be more than human, but I'm not so sure anymore. <laughs> so yeah it's it's it is in in big picture it is about a conspiracy of androids trying to replace highly placed powerful political figures Mm -hmm. um and eventually replace humans with androids completely is spooled out somewhat more complicatedly than that but (laughs) I, 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 i think you're right carlo when your instinct is to say that the plot is not Super complicated. Mm-hmm. I will say though, the aesthetics are mm, chef's kiss. Perfect. Oh yes, yeah. beautiful. What, what what threw me off the plot this time? This is like my second or third viewing, Same. and I, I decided like I, I got thrown off because <laughs> there's like <laughs> you can never Chris, watch Nemesis. You can only rewatch Nemesis. Yes, Chris, is this your book of the new sun? <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's there's like two or three like opening scenes right there's like the first like kill but then he like quits then he comes back and he quits and comes back like they like drag him back like two or three times it just seems like it like uh, a bunch of uh false starts and i was just kind of like you know what i'm turning (laughs) off the plot side of my brain and i'm just gonna enjoy all the shooting and carnage well i mean he was he was he was he was loud quitting with yes. all the gunfire. Yes. There's the, the issue is, yeah, so I mean, basically this is like a cyberpunk action film. Mm-hmm. One of the purest cyberpunk action films. I think in a lot I think there's actually a lot to be said about the way that it it captures, if not like the the brain side of cyberpunk, it certainly captures the heart side of cyberpunk. But you're and, you're exactly and, and, right. Yeah. Th- this is a story that has it it basically it's it's about a guy who gets the intros from uh Blade, Robocop <laughs> John Wick and Rambo, all in about fifteen minutes. Yes, like, exactly. Yes. I, oh, yes, <laughs> Kurt. Kurt, you 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 reminded me. Yes, I had forgotten about the job. like. I I, I marked they, that in my they mind. Kill his like, dog. Oh, he's a cop. He's, he gets like a job. Into a side. Yeah, like yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely a, a, a John Wick uh, storyline mm-hmm. here. Yeah, and for he's no also, reason, he's also a cyborg like, who hunts other cyborgs. He's mm-hmm. also you know yeah. they also have to find him out yeah. in the wild. <laughs> And they rebuild them, and they like you know, he, he has got, like, a bomb in his chest. Oh my god! It's you know, it's a it's a uh, Escape from New York too because they yes. put a bomb in his chest. Yeah. Dude, this is everything yeah. he gets mm. every sci-fi intro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, honestly, you're you're not wrong. And and, and uh, Kurt, this does really capture sort of like the the heart side of of cyberpunk because there's a lot to like it sounds like i'm i'm disparaging the movie but it's very enjoyable to watch i i, I don't know why some of the things are happening 
<laughs> but who cares? Like this definitely uh, is a movie that operates on rule of cool. Uh, I I absolutely love that you can visually immediately visually tell who's a cyborg and who's not because the cyborgs all dress like eighties. Well, a combination they all have of eighties. Yeah, the big <laughs> yes. glasses and the 80s, uh, 80s slash Dick Tracy style, um, like, uh, th- not three piece suits, but definitely like suits with yeah. ties. <laughs> Colorful ones too. So, yeah. I think, I think that the, the most, the most incoherent thing that occurs in the film is when there's like a cyborg hassling an old lady. And she takes out a, a giant this. pistol and I just fucking this. blows him away. She shoots him like 24 times yeah. and then goes, fucking cyborgs. You can't even walk to the store anymore without getting bothered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I love uh, Alex Rain's uh, like, you know, too cool comment because he, he always has like the one liners like he's like, uh, you know, like a uh, 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 Schwarzenegger. He's like, uh, uh, Shang lose a wild town or something like that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I mean, we don't need to recap. I do think we should recap some of the big aesthetic scenes because, like, like we were talking about it. Really, cap like that that intro scene, mm-hmm. um, which begins basically with Alex Rain like meeting a woman in a hotel room, and she's basically just like grabbing his cock, essentially, um, mm-hmm. and then she suddenly grabs him with super strength around the neck and pushes him up up against the wall and starts talking about, I, I don't even remember it shit, but um, it's well, something about the cyborg conspiracy or something. Mm-hmm. Well, she's also like, uh, she says, move, move, or I'll, I'll snap your neck or whatever. And basically, you know, she's, she's, I was almost expecting a line where it's like, Oh, what's this? And you know, a close up of her grabbing his crotch <laughs> and going like a hidden weapon. Are we? <laughs> yeah. Or something to that effect. But, but yes, uh, more or less exactly that type of thing. And then he reaches around behind her, grabs her own gun, I think, and just fucking blasts her, <laughs> just fucking ventilates her. And her head is like bl- her head is like blown apart, but she's still alive. And she's got like cyborg stuff all, all over the place. And it's just so like it's very William Gibson. Like mm-hmm. it really captures mm-hmm. that. It made me think back to our, our episode from a couple weeks back with Aaron. Uh, about uh, fragments of a hologram rose. This is like mm-hmm. fragments of a hologram kickboxer. <laughs> like, like it doesn't. It doesn't really linearly make sense, but it's capturing something. Like there's something being captured here very effectively. There's something about like the the blend of like noir and kind of like information panic and panic over like identities and mm-hmm. and the idea of like people being replaced by machines. There's even like lines later on about how like we're not against uh, we're not against androids. We're against information systems. And I was like, oh my god, <laughs> that's like a William Gibson. That's a straight up William Gibson line. Yeah. But it is all in service of, as you said before, a, a man who has an even thicker accent than Jean-Claude Van Damme, yeah. it must be said, <laughs> and, and delivers lines worse, um, seems to be, I would say, about as good of at martial arts and is seemingly better at, at other aspects of, of like stunt work, at least for the time. So mm-hmm. it's like it's like it, it gives you like 15 percent very smart and then 85 percent just total stupid stupid gun battle action stuff. 
Yeah. Why? Why? Well, what? What's not to love? Uh, yeah. And we're talking about what is it? Olivier Gruner. Yes. Uh, I'm yeah, going to say. Yeah. Uh, who who seems to not have really changed very much <laughs> from <laughs> from I, what we saw I, <laughs> many love, years ago. I love ago. his line deliveries where he's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. "It always scared me that they might take my soul and replace it with some goddamn Matrix chip." <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like it's it's very funny because he he's clearly like they're like, "Well, Jean Claude Van Damme is really cool. Let's get another French speaking or like like <laughs> you know a, a francophone uh, martial artist uh, and we'll make him an action star." And, and Olivier Gruner is probably the only one who fit that bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. um so yeah, like like basically he blow he 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 put some holes in in the uh I I guess is she supposed to be like a sex worker? Well, she's a courier. Yeah, a but courier. she's a courier. She's working with like the data. militia that later comes up. Yeah, but it's but yeah. So there's there's two there's two factions in this. There is the androids who we later find out are the LAPD effectively has been taken over by the androids. We we later discover. <laughs> well, not, not only that, but the LAPD has uh, a a huge jurisdiction apparently. It extends to Japan and <laughs> Baja California. Like it, there's like at least. At least three to five different like areas uh, of the world mm. that uh, the it's, LAPD apparently has jurisdiction over. It's, it's very much like the uh, who is that in that movie? Michael Douglas in the movie Black Rain, where he's mm, running yeah. around like Tokyo, being like freeze LAPD. <laughs> 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 but yeah, um, but I, I think that she's working. She's actually working for basically like a human resistance movement against the android takeover. Isn't that the, uh, like, later on we learned the hammerheads, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But, and and then, so, um, Alex winds up getting pursued through this amazing, Mm. like, industrial wasteland set. Mm. Yeah. Just, like, destroyed concrete, and there's, like, just collapsing buildings. It's very cool looking. Very, like, it reminded me of, like, a decoder, actually. It it also reminded me of the uh, the mm. set in RoboCop where mm. uh, yeah where dude gets uh, becomes like yes. toxic man <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> it's it's very much that's that style of like you know like uh, on the outskirts of a of a city and it's just like the the industrial former, yeah. yeah former industrial place that's gone to ruin um, but and and he makes. I must say, I think you glancingly mentioned his name, but uh, this was directed by Albert Pune, who we've done a whole bunch of his movies now um, because he he's like one of the the uh, purest uh, like B movie maker of the 80s and 90s. He was mm-hmm. just uh, and he this, and like the the thing that makes Pune like it'd be one thing if his movies were as fun as they are, which they are. But he also still has like he he genuinely has talent. So like that first opening thing just looks cool as hell. Like and it looks like he shoots. He he not only found this amazing location, but he shot it really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's there's even there's like there's some like very like John Woo esque like gun cinematography where like um 
Grunet or some some stunt man is is like sliding on his back down like a pile of rubble while like you know shooting like two pistols back up the way he came and then like he stands up and there's just this like really uh, interesting it just it just the 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 gun stuff in this sounds good the guns all look cool they're very mm. like very like modern like there's there's a part where he's effectively firing what seems like a like an automatic shotgun or mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. and just fucking blasting away. And it just, it's the sort of film that really calls attention to the guns that people are using and the action of shooting them. And it's not, it's not just like, it, it's, it's funny because they, they're just firing wildly all the time, but they really focus in on it. And you really feel like, like the guns are like part of the the plot in a weird way or like part of the texture of the film in a way that like films films don't feel like that anymore for for some reason like it doesn't it it feels like they have weight even as they're firing wildly and not hitting anything yes yeah well i i also think that that is um I think it really captures that uh that sort of very cyberpunk feeling right uh, where there is a concentration or a focus on the technological aspects. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, like I, I was formulating a, a, a punny response because like the, the action is very ballistic and well, you know, <laughs> then there's also all the guns. Um, <laughs> but, but also like to your, to your point, and, and I think Chris, you'd mentioned that like that initial scene where, where, uh, Alex Rain is being sort of like, you know, sort of like frisked, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole room just, just basically is, is it, it, that, that first shot, it, you don't even see the rest of the room. So it gives you like this, this weird feeling of paranoia, like mm-hmm. what's around the corner, what's going to happen next. It, it has, like you said, it, and also it's like, uh, it's like filmed in a way that it looks very hazy. So yes, it, it yeah. captures that noir yeah. feeling as well. It almost mm-hmm. it almost has like a Twin Peaks look to it at times. Mm, this yeah, movie I can and, see that. and there's there's even like a, like a lot of the music cues have this weird haunting like synthesizer to it. It gives it this very like yeah, like 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 a very like Lynch vibe to it in a weird way. Like it's not deployed in the same way that it is in something like Twin Peaks, but there's like a slight chintziness to things that that yeah, like really works for the style that it's that it's uh, setting up. Mm-hmm. And and to Chris's point earlier, I, I I think one of the things that makes Pune like such a god of of B movies mm-hmm. is that he he utilizes aspects of the B movie you know production mindset in ways that are effective f- for the films, right? So like mm-hmm. like you know it is it is just a truth of. 80s and 90s b-movie filmmaking that you're going to use a lot of uh, like abandoned factories because that's cheap and easy to use and you can do a bunch of weird shit in them and it doesn't matter because they're like already you know like like uh, falling down and in the you know pune then ties that into like the feel of the sort of film that that he wants to make like it actually makes sense that they're in all these these like abandoned you know crumbling factories um and and so it it gives it all like a like this weird thin veneer of seriousness that I I think you wouldn't otherwise get, and mm-hmm. that's what makes pune pune to me. Yeah, yeah. Like to, to to this point, like he he was very much one to use the resources at hand. Where a lot of like pe- people making these kind of films might 
you know, almost get defeated by the limited resources, Pune would like use those to his advantage and, and work with them and sh- and mold like whatever, you know, opportunity they brought to him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was very resourceful. I, I mean, to the, to that po- even further, he uh, I believe it was either Nemesis two or three was made with extra money from another movie he was supposed to be making for. <laughs> like, like he, he was that kind of guy. Like he was just like, I, I have a spare like five thousand dollars, and you know the end, the ends of like uh, some of the day's shoots. Let's go make another movie. <laughs> like, Effective altruism, altruisming. Uh, the, yes. the, the other movie I see exactly. Um, so, uh, Chris, let me let me ask you this because uh, it slipped my mind. I know that you had brought this up uh previously but pune studied like he was like mentored by somebody big right yeah uh, toshiro mafuni he was actually um like he was like a personal assistant or, or something along those lines and um i guess he was supposed to accompany him uh under um to work with uh, Kurosawa on uh, Dezu Urzala, I think it's called, which is the 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 film that um, Kurosawa made in in Siberia, but something fell through, so he ultimately did not work under Kurosawa. But um, yeah, yeah, he has this weird connection to Mifune, <laughs> like um, who who took an interest in in his work actually. I can see that. I mean, yeah. like, like from a from like a an actor point of view, like somebody that that knows exactly, you know, like the materials that he has at hand and knows how to use them. Because mm-hmm. because I think to your point, uh, Chris, and and again, like it, it sounds like my my initial like assessment of this movie makes it sound like I'm making fun of it, but no, it's I'm not. Like this is a movie that that it, you know it, it's it's trying to be as earnest as possible about its sub its subject matter right and mm-hmm. and i think it really comes through in the way that everything's shot and even the goofy stuff you know just sort of feels of a piece it's it's not like trying to wink at anybody it's just yes. sort of like having fun mm-hmm. yeah it yeah. kind of reminds me also of um uh like early career robert rodriguez sort of oh yeah it's, it's got that, that. kind of like that kind of like scrappy choppy and uh, incidentally the 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 next scene so he gets uh so a- alex gets gets messed up after doing is just like completely bonkers stuff all over these like collapsing buildings there's mm-hmm. one stunt where they're like they appear to be on the the top of a three or four story concrete structure that is like half fallen over because it's like it's like it's it's Mm -hmm. they're definitely in the air and they're at an angle and they're having like a rolling gun battle down this roof while one of the you know resistance fighters is firing at him with this gigantic gun that she has to like assemble out of a briefcase as i recall yes yes hey (laughs) there is nothing cooler than assembling a gun out of a briefcase or a sword uh, uh, as point, Highlander point, showed us. Yes. Yes. I was going to yes. say point of order sword that you need yeah. to assemble as well. Anything you take out of a briefcase and you put together before using it is immediate. Like you, mm. how funny would it be if there was like a, if there was a movie where somebody like took like a really complicated calculator out of a briefcase and like put it together before doing some kind of accounting. Like, I, it would I still would, be cool. Yeah. I would, I would argue that we do have that scene already. It exists in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, 
<laughs> and it's played it is played perfectly and then ironically it's a beautiful scene anyway uh, but we're not talking about the indie right now so uh we we can return to the puniverse of our so, choosing so yeah so he gets he gets messed up pretty bad um although there is i think he gets rescued by like a is like a police drone or something i i think and then yes yeah yes there was yeah it was yeah that it weird little very touch. bulky <laughs> um but then he so he gets he gets put back together so this is this is like the first of the multiple intros yes um and then he's in baja <laughs> california doing kind of like a weird steven seagal re- oh oh he rescues a puppy also in that initial <laughs> yes. factory scene um, <laughs> and then we we next see him in Baja, California, running on the dunes with this kind of like Steven Seagal, like like Euro Orientalist, like spiritual vibe music kind of plays, and he's with, running with, along with, with his his, with his, dog, his husky, yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with the now <laughs> poor, grown husky poor, puppy. Yeah, that poor husky was just like dying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, why are we in the desert? <laughs> Uh, and then he goes down to like a bar um, and kind of gets into he, he basically reveals that he's there to to finish the job, I, I think, and like kill like one of the resistance fighters <laughs> who got away. Um, but what I really like about this scene is that there's there's people with like a very strong mid-Atlantic accent calling people senior and gringo (laughs) (laughs) that was like i was sitting there like when she's not gonna do this oh yeah she's she's like what are you you doing here gringo (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what you're talking about senior (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so he he kills them and then the lapd shows up uh as you say well out of their jurisdiction uh in baja and and uh basically tries to hire him but then he says fuck off and and leaves um or tr- tries to bring him back into the fold and he he says fuck off and he leaves and goes and works at, as a mercenary for several years and we are now in you know in uh we, that dispenses with intro 2 after a brief gun <laughs> well, battle let, let's not let's not forget that uh, intro 2 also uh it actually uh, maybe Maybe Pune was was telling us something about uh, you know how the LAPD works on a day to day basis because they immediately shoot his dog, you know. That's that- right. That's right. Yes, he gets John <laughs> Wick. Like, <laughs> like they're like, oh yeah, well fuck you, buddy, and shoot his dog for, I guess just out of spite. I don't know. Yeah, his his former partner, I think, is one of the the other cyborgs that comes to get him. Um, and says something like, why are you so cr- like you're so cruel or something kind of like like ironically or like sarcastically to the to the other cyborg who shoots his dog for no reason. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, intro three uh, is then uh, he is working as a kind of uh, William Gibson esque like street operator hustler type. He's like running guns. Uh, and he me- he mentions console cowboys also, I believe at mm-hmm. this point, there's like, there's lots of just like little su- like cyberpunk verbiage thrown in, which is why I say like it, it or it's why I say it's, it's a very aesthetic film. Like it perfectly mm-hmm. captures the one level of William Gibson thinking and, <laughs> and really runs with it. So there's like, you know, people with like guns in their eyes and they're operating in this kind of seedy business street hustler type mode. Mm-hmm. But then nothing that they're saying really makes it like a whole lot of sense. Like there's nothing underneath it, but like yes. that, that top surface level of like cyberpunk 
it really captured. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. He meets he meets like his his contact, and it turns out that it's somebody that he knew. But then he's like a cyborg, and his, and his face his head apart. opens up, and like a gun comes out of his eye. <laughs> well, so so let me let me point something out because th- there are definitely some uh, some obvious uh, nods to like Terminator stuff. Um, and and um, if I may go on a small tangent. Uh, I, I did sort of like the inventiveness of that because it reminded me a lot of way back when um, Dark Horse Comics, uh, who made it a name for itself by basically uh, licensing, you know, like like movie material, right? Robo, they had like a RoboCop, uh, you know, series of comics and uh, Aliens and 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 Terminator was also one of them. And one of the fun things about their, one of their Terminator uh, limited series was that uh, in, in one of the uh, storylines, basically anything like someone's pooch, an old lady, (laughs) you know, like a baby, anything could be a Terminator. uh, (laughs) I love the baby Terminator. That's great. That's a terrific That's great. Yeah. Like it's sort of like, I I, I found it really, um, really fun uh, because it it does really, uh, it shows sort of like a, a, a canniness on the Terminator side of things that they're like, well, what are the things that people that humans tend to like and mm-hmm. pass beneath notice <laughs> old people, babies and dogs we will make tamer terminators out of those. <laughs> I'm imagining like a little, like a little toddler walking into the bar from the beginning of Terminator two and be like, give me your boots, your quoves and your motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, so yeah, like his face splits apart and he's got like a gun where like his left eye would be or whatever, like a, yeah. a, a huge cannon. Shit, yeah. Basically. What is, it's, it's unclear what the point of, <laughs> of this particular modification is, but it is, it's very cool. Mm-hmm. And this is another thing that I, I like about Pune is like when he has, there was some other film that I mentioned, like. They knew that they had this particular effect looking really good, so they use it multiple times. And you can mm. really feel that, like, if if something looks good once in this film, you're going to see it a second time. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> you're going to see, like, the robot arm multiple times. You're going to see the cyborg gun eye at, at least once more. Because, like, it is it is a really, a, like, good-looking uh, effect. Um, and I think there's also, like... There's there's a part later on where they they pull out Alex uh, Alex mm, Rain's yeah. eyeball, and it looks very good. And I believe that Pune used that exact same effect in in the film Cyborg also. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, although uh, I, I think in Cyborg the which which we'd covered you know previously, uh, I I do think that one of the um, the things that sort of somewhat makes that not as effective as that then he has the rest of the head mm. it, like it's a practical effect and that's great but it doesn't look quite as good <laughs> yeah it looks very fake so it, i don't know it, it's it's fine it's just sort of like also like oh wow okay that does not look anything like the actor <laughs> Here, I think it's it's much better deployed. It's deployed much better because I think he sort of you wisely see a close zooms, up of his face. Yeah, yeah, he zooms in or close. He has a close up of the of the tech. But um, this is where we like. I love when the LAPD comes into this film um, because, as you said before, Carlo, this is the film where you can immediately tell what side anybody is is on based on like how they're dressed, and the LAPD all 
as you say, they're all kind of have like a Dick Tracy vibe with those those giant like CB4 sunglasses, like the big blocky square ones. And they all have like very slicked back blonde hair. <laughs> <laughs> they all kind of look like uh, like uh, Max Headrooms. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, so it's uh, it's Tim Thomerson is uh, yes. like the commissioner. He's, he's, he's got like he's this- a yeah he he's another like um, pune regular, um, and uh, he's also been in a bunch of like Charles Band stuff, like the the Trancers movies. I think they're called. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he, I, I think that everyone here looks very. Um, uh, Everyone has an interesting face, and that sounds like yes. a backhanded compliment. But but really, it's mm-hmm. it just like honestly, like you know, Tim Thomerson's got a, a face you've seen him like yeah. fifty times before. Do you, do you know that this movie actually shares an actor with Blade Runner? Uh, Brian James. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I was ex- I was expecting uh, yeah the the commissioner to turn around and is like. Um, <laughs> Merits, do you know that there's a turtle in the desert? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I do, not, he- I do not understand what you mean, because uh, <laughs> obviously Brian James is doing a, a German, a very stereotypically German-ish accent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's working with um, uh, Jermaine, who's played by Christopher Guest's brother. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, Christopher Guest star. I see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is that who, why? Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nicholas Guest. Nicholas. Is, uh, Nicholas Guest. Yes. So, and he is. Uh, the, I never fail to point this out. He is technically the. Uh, where is he? Uh, he is the heir presumptive to the title of Baron Hayden Guest in the British period. <laughs> because is of course, for, wait for yeah, real. Really, class yeah, in the place up. This is for Some real royalty, and, and he's heir presumptive because actually, Christopher Guest of Spinal Tap fame is the actual Baron Hayden Guest. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I guess, yeah. Uh, I was very yeah. confused. You're so, Chris. While you were talking, I was like, let me look up Christopher Guest and re-familiarize myself with him. And yeah, he comes up as Christopher Hayden Guest, Fifth Baron Hayden Guest. And I was like, well, this can't be the right person. <laughs> I'm looking for the screenwriter and uh, director. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, little tangent. But yeah, so his his brother is is in Nemesis by Albert Pune. <laughs> but yeah, well, and, and his his brother his brother's outfit does indeed go up to eleven. That's true. Well, yeah. To to Carlo's point earlier, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of people with interesting faces in, in this. Like, there's a lot of. Eh, I I love watching a film like this because you see people where you're like, man, they've they've got something. There's something mm-hmm. really compelling about them. It's not the something that mainstream Hollywood is looking for. Like it's it's you're you're not you you know you're you're not gonna find your next like Tom Cruise right. you know mm-hmm. headlining one of these films probably, but you might see a a possible like you know other like other world Jean Claude Van Damme, or you'll see somebody <laughs> who's gonna show up as like you know the head goon in a bunch of films, like somebody like I I, I think. One of the few people who was like this, who managed to to transcend that level of career is someone like maybe uh, Danny Trejo, you know, mm, yeah. who like could have easily just been like a recurring bad guy in a bunch of films um, and and then somehow has managed to kind of like jump over into like the if not the A list and certainly like the B list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Oh, uh, I, I'd forgotten, um, and and maybe we could jump ahead because uh, he he gets con- like uh, uh, Alex Rain gets contracted to go to Shan Lu. 
Yes, mm-hmm. which, which seems uh, to be like I don't know, like Bali or somewhere, like where's Java yeah. or like Java, I mean, Java. That's yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, it, it felt very much like uh, what is it that what's the name in um, in Street Fighter? Uh, oh yeah, it feels very Street Fighter, Shang right? Lung or something, Shang like Lung or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Shadowloo, yeah. I believe, isn't it? Shadowloo, yes, Shadaloo, you're right, yeah. you're right, Shadowloo. Uh, and we we meet uh, another actor, uh, for a blast from the past, uh, Yuji Okamoto as the uh, as the the hotel manager or whatever. He's great. Uh, He's great. He's just kind of yeah, like, he's like a sarcastic uh, hotel, like front front door guy, kind of like shady, operating mm-hmm. a little hustle on the side, maybe. Yeah. Uh, what what a good nor, um, you know, s- typical character. Like, uh, it, it, it's really he really um, Pune really does bring in like the noir aspect of the cyberpunk genre that I think sometimes it can get overlooked. Yeah. yeah and- I- Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, like, uh, it, it's really funny because it it's almost um, literalized, right? Visually, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's got like the like this little um, this little window that he speaks through, and then he can close the wind, like his little doors or shutters or whatever mm-hmm. that he can close, and then he can talk to whatever you know whomever is behind him, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that's exactly what he does. Like in in the first scene that we see him in is basically there's a. <laughs> I, I love that there's a, a camera um, uh, sort of planted inside a potted plant behind him <laughs> that he communicates to uh, Angie Liv, who is played by the uh, the, the awesome Carrie Hiroyuki, Hiroyuki yeah. Tagawa. Um, uh, also, uh, a.k.a. Uh, was it uh, Shao? Oh, fuck. What is Shang his Song. name in? Shang Tsung, that's it. Yes, I was yeah. going to say Shao Lu is like yes. no, no, that's another yeah. guy in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> he is, he is terrific. Yes, a, yes, an, he's an really awesome, good, awesome actor. <laughs> well, and, and he's like because he's doing this really weird, effective like he's like he's a surfer, he's, like a California like surfer guy. Like I thought he was doing like an Italian accent. He's like, what's the matter, you? Uh, oh yeah, he's like kind of all over the place. <laughs> it's great. I was like sitting there, like is he doing like an Italian? Like Italian delivery, but with the you know, like sort of like his own natural accent. What, what's going on here exactly? Yeah, and, well, and and he he also is like calling people like uh, Alex San, you know. But yeah, again, in like a very strong like American accent. <laughs> I, I also love that near the end, the first was this the first documented use of bra. <laughs> 1992 he was ahead of the curve folks <laughs> he calls alex and you gotta you gotta listen to me brah <laughs> anyway uh i jumped ahead but uh yes uh he he's just great and he's he's talking to to <laughs> to the uh hotel manager through the camera <laughs> while yes. his two gigantic beefy uh i'm gonna you, you said uh kurt that this was part part of this was filmed in hawaii i'm gonna go out on a limb that uh branscombe richmond is not in fact a mexican man as he is billed in the movie <laughs> <laughs> but perhaps hawaiian <laughs> yeah there's there's a couple of like i'm i'm uh, yeah, I think I think probably some Hawaiian actors in in this, and just kind of like big, big muscle guys, you know, yes. wearing yeah. wearing Hawaiian shirts. Yes, uh, very. It's it's interesting because you don't see a lot of you don't see a lot of tropical cyberpunk no. um, mm-hmm. until mm. you get to films, mm. because in this period in like the late eighties, early nineties, 
there was a lot of although you know this is this is i guess filmed in in hawaii so like doesn't quite meet this but there there was a lot of um you know like action films that were filmed in like the philippines around this mm. time because yes. it was like inexpensive to to film there yeah um and this looks like that even though it's actually filmed in uh, hawaii which is interesting yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's interesting the, the the idea of like a tropical cyberpunk because I think so much of that was focused on um, you know because it was originated and like you know lived in like the eighties where like the, the the one of the main economic storyline was the the booming Japan and it's you know the threatened takeover of all you know American corporations by the mm-hmm. Japanese so a, a lot of that was being you know rather than uh, going out and feeling like the you know almost like a colonizer it was like this the, the threat of colonization from Japan like economically yeah although i i think i think that like the tropical locations give give it a little bit more of like almost like a colonial noir mhm mm-hmm. yeah kind, yeah. kind of yeah. feel like um oh man there was a there was a great film that i that i watched recently that was like uh that was like like a jamaican uh like cop noir film. Gosh, what 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 movie? I'll have to look up what what, what that was because it was it was terrific. Oh, wow. um, but yeah, it's not a vibe that you see very often. But I think it works quite effectively. Yeah, you're not talking about like the Mighty Quinn, are you? I am talking about the Mighty Quinn. Yes, oh. that was oh, great film. Great film. Is that uh, Denzel? It is. It is Denzel. Yes, one of I mean, his first uh, yeah. starring. Uh, yeah, I mean, I well, this was like after he he'd made. A bit of a name of for himself uh, in was it Saint Elsewhere or is this mm-hmm. after that? Uh, anyway, yeah, like Mighty Quinn's great. I haven't seen it in ages upon ages, but it, it I remember it being very cool. I mean, it's it's also got Denzel in it, so I mean, he's, <laughs> he's like he brings cool to anything. I think. Um, but anyway. I think we've arrived at one of the greatest action scenes sequences I've I've ever seen, which uh, be, begins when. Um, he gets he gets kind of double confronted like one one gang of guys confronts him uh which is as you say uh Kari uh Hiroyuki Tagawa's um gang Anji-san's gang um confronts him and he reveals that he has a bomb in his chest uh because he's been given 3 days to find stolen data of some kind Mm-hmm. Um, and when they find out that he has a bomb in his chest, they're like, whoop, I don't want to be in the room with this guy. So we're going to leave. Sorry about, you know, and, and, uh, <laughs> Anji-san basically says like, so, you know, it's like, sorry, <laughs> or like, so you're having a hard time or something. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was, yeah, that was, that was an interesting moment. <laughs> like an interesting <laughs> human moment, like where in the middle of this, like ridiculous, like cyberpunk action B movie. Yeah, See you like, later. Well, sucks to be you. <laughs> yeah. You're really having a hard time. It seems like, it seems like you're really going through some stuff. I, 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 I don't want to ask you of the emotional labor to deal with me and my, my henchmen. It seems like you've got you know, enough on your plate already. <laughs> um, but then, then, then begins this uh this just so he, he there's like a there's like another cyborg woman who's watching from across the street with a very naked thomas jane a very naked <laughs> early mm. career thomas jane i have to say one of the best male asses i have ever seen in a film and and you don't get a lot of male ass nudity uh unless you're watching a jean-claude van damme film i i i will say what well, we we do get we do get um at the very least if it's not uh Grenier's, uh it is his stunt doubles as true yes yes true uh, a little a short, later a, sh- a short while later yeah <laughs> with with the very conspicuous glance downward uh oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. implied which you 
you, you always have to get. But um, so she she comes over uh, and is kind of revealing to him that a bunch of stuff about like his 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 girl his ex girlfriend is dead, but her brain is in like an AI chip, and she's going to give him the chip so she can talk. He can talk to her. Um, uh, and then she neutral she shoots him in the chest with this device to neutralize his chest bomb that mm-hmm. has like flashing lights that count down and when the, the countdown stops it'll blow up and um that felt very video game-esque yes. where it was like a visual <laughs> representation of how much time you have left to complete your mission <laughs> yep the, again very very escape from new york um mm-hmm. yes, and then, yes and then the lapd attacks uh with with uh, our our first glimpse at a guy who's basically wearing like an american World War II machine gun on a steady cam harness, very like, very like uh, alien style. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, also, I think that's a that's a very um, sort of uh, I, I suppose more of a cyberpunk game like TTRPG type of thing, mm-hmm. right? Where where you have like the the, the guy who's gun. yeah the auto gun or whatever. Yeah, uh, it's very Snow also, Crash, which came out like I think what a year after this or like two years huh. after this film. Yeah, and and to mm-hmm. be clear, the the cyborg lady is uh, called Julian, played by Deborah Shelton, who I did not know. Uh, apparently, a Miss Virginia USA, <laughs> uh, Miss USA 1970, I think. Uh, it, very interesting. Um, so so yeah, uh, yeah, they 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 have like a shootout basically, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, LAPD <laughs> <laughs> decides to. I loved the the um the the setup to the eventual escape that Alex has because you do get like these amazing like uh the walls just sort of yes dot because they're shooting through them and like <laughs> reverse bugs they reverse bugs bunny yes. into the room yes yes they shoot like the outline of a door in the wall and then and then crash through the the room and, and they both eat they each shoot their own door and they each come through and they just stand there and there's um so they're they're shooting at uh Julian and this has got to be the the most squibs i have ever seen in a single like in a single shot cuz they 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 kind of cut back and forth between these two cyborgs shooting at another cyborg and there's just sparks flying all over the place Everything in the room was blowing up and like this, like little bits of debris shooting everywhere. Um, just like nonstop little like back and forth effect shots for and, you yeah, know, and, like and, five seconds. And these are like almost sparkler squibs, too, because yeah. they're, they're just like just like very flashy, lots of sparks. And it's just very nice. And uh, then she gets basically blown apart. Um, but before they can apprehend uh, Alex he he takes his guns and which he which he now has on like a like a super cool uh like a die hard kind of like a gun harness um and shoots <laughs> a circle around his feet on the floor uh and then like stomps and drops down through the circle that he's made with his with his bullet holes while continuing to shoot in a circle so he cuts through all the floors below him um, in a shot that I, I I feel like one of the underworld movies may have uh, the, the first the first underworld movie swipes it like I was like legit like mad because that was like <laughs> one of the very few 
uh, things in Underworld when I first saw it. I have not really revisited it because I, I became very outraged that they had just basically like swiped so much from like Vampire the Masquerade yes, <laughs> and Werewolf yeah. and everything. Um, and so that was the one thing that I was like, okay, that that, that was really sort of cool. And then I see it here. I'm like, oh, fuck them then. <laughs> you just stole it's- that. <laughs> The first time I watched this scene, and also the second time that I watched it tonight, I was like literally hooting and hollering at yeah, like when, when he's doing that because it's such like, you know, it it really I think if you want a good example of the sort of logic and aesthetic uh, that uh, our our good friends uh, behind uh, the Burger Punk uh, game are are getting at the I, I think like the the action film logic of shooting a whole. Like shooting a, a like a hole in the floor at your own feet and then using it to drop down several stories is very classic like early nineties action mm. film logic. Like it's, it, mm-hmm. I, I think comparing it to Bugs Bunny and like it's is spot on because it's like it's like mm. weird like Looney Tunes logic, but it's like a yeah. macho oh, yeah. action film. Like, Looney Tunes yeah, logic. like like honestly, like the idea that not only he, he falls not just one, not two. Not three. He falls like about seven different. Mm. F- like he falls seven <laughs> stories. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And 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 let let me let me just finish this because this is exactly the Looney Tune logic that I'm talking about. The way that he does it is that he just keeps on shooting in circles below him, right? Mm. And apparently the uh, the the logic behind the action sequence is that given that he makes foot contact on the floor below before falling again, another floor it's like resetting <laughs> like he's only falling yeah. 10 feet seven times right which uh sort of mimics the same logic that i had when i was a kid it was like well if if the coyote's falling on like he's on a cliff that's falling if he just jumps at the last minute <laughs> he'll be fine he's not flattened right yes if you save your double jump until right before you hit the ground jump a second time in the mm-hmm. air Mm-hmm. Totally, totally fine. It resets the counter. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that that little scene is also um, the most evident um, of like Hong Kong action on mm-hmm. uh, Pune's. Oh, totally. That's totally something that you could see in like you know, uh, a, a, you know, almost like a John Woo movie. You know, that yeah. something along those lines. It's the same yeah. logic as like the killer or hard boiled. I mean, it, it just needed more doves. Yes, um, absolutely. Flying around, yeah, yeah, for it to be a John Woo. Riff. <laughs> if you if you want to see another weird use of kind of like action, uh, like Hong Kong action cinema in an ostensibly Western film, uh, you should check out the film Knockoff with Rob yes. Schneider and Jean Claude Van Damme. Yes, as a uh, hmm. kind of like uh, like knockoff merchandise producers in uh, in Hong Kong who get wrapped up in some kind of like CIA. Hygiene. Yes. Then- Kurt, you just you just reminded me of uh I hate to use our uh, RPGs again, but uh there was an actual Hong Kong cinema RPG where you basically you could you could re-roll like you you'd use your dice pool to re-roll scenes and shit like yeah, that. Just- yeah, what is yeah, I, I I feel like I know what you're talking about. Is it like a spycraft one? Of some kind? Uh, well, no, it was just simply, uh, I believe it was actually just called like Hong Kong Cinema RPG. I forget Weird. exactly the okay. name. Yeah, it it was just its own thing. It was just such, it was like one of these, you know, like mid to late 90s when, you know, like RPGs were just big enough so that there's so many niche things that could 
be done, right? Interesting. Uh, it's just a, a fun little detail. Anyway, back to back to the movie, <laughs> which mm-hmm. which does actually uh, deal a little bit with that Hong Kong uh, cinema, like spirit, if you will. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think plot. I, I think uh, less plot wise and more, you know, uh, action s- sequence of action scenes that uh, compromise the plot of uh, of this film. Um, I think this is where we get the old lady uh, shooting the cyborg, <laughs> and Alex goes, "I like, I fucking love it here in in Shanglu. It's my Shan, kind Shan of Lu, town. It's my kind Shan of town." Lu, yeah, Shanglu takes no shit. Yeah, Shanglu takes no shit. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that felt it felt like a a a, a, a uh, sort of like a scene that you would have found in like a stop or my mom will shoot or something. <laughs> yes, very yeah, very much so. Um, and. And then I think now is when he he encounters. Oh no no, it's it's not quite yet. Um, he encounters the the eye gun guy again, and actually mm. has his showdown with like the weird steady cam machine gun, the the uh, the alien style colonial marine cyborg, um, who he shoots like a million times. And then there's an well, amazing sequence where he's again John Woo sliding down. Like yeah, the, some kind of concrete, like metal slide. Yeah. The concrete uh wet and wild slide. <laughs> and, and he like the, the cyborg is on top of him and he's they're struggling as they go down this kind of like cool, you know, uh theme park water slide. Uh <laughs> and then he tries to use his gun eye and um Alex like pu- pushes him up so he hits his head on like an overhead beam and gets stuck there with his head like impaled on it <laughs> and then he has to shoot him like like a, a bunch more times like, sliding down his back on the 500 slide. times <laughs> it's just like oh wow <laughs> it's amazing and like all this stuff looks great like it's so it, it's so it, it's such like a rule of cool movie as you said mm. before because mm-hmm. there's these shots where like Alex is like back flipping off of buildings and firing his gun wildly and like the bad guys haven't even come out of the building yet like it doesn't it makes no sense for him to be shooting his gun or oh, like the, or, like the bad guys are like firing their guns in the air as they jump out of the building <laughs> well yeah or they're 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 like jumping from one like you know 15 feet down and they're still firing and you're like <laughs> I'm not sure that your trigger discipline is very good there, buddy, but okay. Nobody I guess ever, if you're nobody a cyborg, ever runs out of uh, bullets in this oh, film. Well, it's yeah. impossible I mean, to but, do so. Yeah, but I mean, that that's I, I think that this is definitely a movie that um, subscribes to the, to the very basic uh, sort of like movie logic of guns, right? Mm-hmm. You only ever run out of bullets when it's dramatic. Uh, <laughs> you know, or your gun jams only when it when, you know, like it would complicate things for you. That that's the only two times that a gun will never stop that that'll stop working, right? This movie also has something that you don't see as much in movies anymore, but we're I feel like we're a very like '90s uh, action film sort of thing, which is the gun that shoots explosions. Like, mm, what if yeah. what if there were a pistol? But instead of shooting a bullet, it shot like an exploding bullet that would explode really big Um, because (laughs) there's a a bunch of times in this film where somebody shoots a gun, like some kind of a special gun, and it doesn't just put a big hole. It like literally explodes explodes, the target. Yeah, it's like a geyser of uh, explosion (laughs) of flame. Uh, Yeah, I I would I would argue that I think that that um, that sort of uh, uh, gun logic, right, Uh, it, it meets its ultimate conclusion or logical conclusion in something like runaway right the tom Selleck, uh is it is it heather locklear and 
I forget exactly, but it's got Gene Simmons and it has <laughs> bullets that go around corners and everything. It's- <laughs> Like, like they're, they're heat seeking bullets. I shit you not. <laughs> Kurt, have you never seen this movie? I don't think I've ever seen Runaway. No, it uh-huh. is. It is not good, but it is a lot of fun. <laughs> I think I haven't revisited in a long time. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so Farnsworth, who, um, who then is by, by now has been uh, revealed as having been completely replaced by a cyborg has the, um, the basically the the explosives firing shotgun. <laughs> yes, it's great. Um, but but also, so it's, I guess it turns out we find out that Anji San is the leader of the Hammerheads, is the leader of the Human Resistance, and um, Alex gets his butt saved by uh, a woman named Max, who is a kind of manic pixie action dream girl. Sort of gym, yes. gymnastics too, yeah. I guess. She's kind of like a she's kind of like a kooky off the wall, yeah, gymnastics gu- gun girl. It's a it's yeah, a very she, interesting she's like, character. <laughs> she's she's like a combination of Mary Lou Retton and Sean Young. <laughs> yes, yeah. I was and I named, was going to compare her Max to uh, Pris. Yes, specifically <laughs> to who? Uh, Pris from uh, Blade Runner. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, Max Impact. <laughs> I love yeah. these names. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so she she saves Alex and introduces him to the resistance. And then, as, as you said, uh, C- C- Commissioner Farnsworth sh- shows up and, and kills the resistance. Um, but then Max pops out. And uh, we also find out, by the way, that Max is the sister of mm-hmm. the the terrorist leader that Alex killed in Baja. Um, and she says, for, for uh, appropriating Mexican uh, yes. culture. <laughs> yeah, it's for cultural appropriation. <laughs> uh, and and she calls everyone something son, um, even though, again, she is she, she her whole character kind of talks in like a weird patois, but is mm-hmm. very clearly like a white lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who doesn't, who doesn't even like have an accent. She's like, how can you trust him, Anji-san? He should die for what he's done. And she also <laughs> kind of speaks in this weird kind of like pigeon English at, at, at times, mm. where she's like, I just need you kill people. And it's like, okay, this is mm-hmm. strange. This like this would be a strange, this would be an, an unfortunately Orientalist depiction if it were like an Asian actor. Um, <laughs> but like given that it's like a white lady, it's just confusing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's 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 Tilda Swinton and Doctor Strange. Okay, yeah. I got it. <laughs> yeah, it's like see, it's 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 not Orientalist anymore. It's just confusing. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 let's let's uh, remind the fans that when you're being mean, you're being mean to Tilda Swinton. That's right. <laughs> but but she she shoots the German guy, um, and with with an exploding uh gun that causes like an explosion, like. Like a really big explosion, <laughs> like it literally <laughs> blows him apart, and like a giant fireball. Um. <laughs> the 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 chase sequence that happens after this is is rather good. I, it's amazing. I, I did, it must have been I so did, expensive. They're destroying buildings in it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I did. I I I do. I did sort of appreciate that you get a glimpse, like like so so. Brief aside, uh, real world intruding on this commentary. Um, you know, Hawaii has had a lot of problems and it continues to have lots of problems. Uh, I, I, 
I was really sort of appreciative of seeing how sort of the native Hawaiians that you get to see on screen, the way that they live, it's, it's not like this might actually be real housing that they live in and it's not just simply a set, you know, or this could have been somebody's neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it, it really looks like sort of like these very ramshackle houses that, um, they're, they're still being used, but, but they run through them and, uh, basically like he gets trapped in a, a in a room because <laughs> there's, there's a rocking chair in front of the door he wants to open. So he says, well, fuck it. I'll jump out the window, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's such a funny, uh, logic too. It's like, so you couldn't move the chair? Okay. Uh, and, and they could go ahead. I'll just say it's. This is something I, I, I've been I, I've been thinking about for the last like minute or two. It's probably worth mentioning. Uh, and you're you're mentioning kind of like the depictions of like uh, Native Hawaiians. Um, like Albert Pune is not a white guy either. Like he's I don't I, I'm not sure if his if his family is like Japanese or I don't think they're Hawaiian. Um, but it is it, it it is it is like an interesting aspect to the depictions. Like he grew up on on Hawaii, um, and is also like not a white guy specifically. Um, so it's he's kind of bringing like a slightly different perspective. I, I feel like to mm-hmm. some of these depictions. Yeah, yeah, I I I could see it. Yeah, like like yeah, like maybe maybe he isn't like you know like indigenous Hawaiian or whatever. But but you know he's lived there long enough. You know. He, his family has a long history there, so maybe mm-hmm. he's just bringing a like the way he sees it, right? Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, you know, he's probably has friends that he knows that have have lived through this type of thing too. Um, anyway, yeah, it, it's it's a great scene. It, it brings to mind because of the 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 way it feels claustrophobic and kinetic and and all that stuff. It reminds me of like um, chase sequences, for instance, in seven where they're running through the, the, the building, Mm -hmm. you know, pursuing John Doe Mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, It just feels very sort of like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and I think that they use the, the camera very effectively to convey like movement, but also it's like very cramped and you Mm -hmm. you don't know what's around the next corner. I think it, it, it goes back to that opening shot of like that sort of like, you you don't know what's around the corner it gives you like this as a viewer like a little bit of paranoia of is there another another LAPD mm-hmm. <laughs> cyborg cop around the corner is going to grab him at the last minute what's going on the uh, the other thing that i really appreciate about it and i think it's something that is like something you can really appreciate about this type of film in general is that they are really fucking up the set that they are shooting on like they're really screwing up the location like they're <laughs> smashing windows and walls at one point they knock over some kind of really large mechanical tower, like a. Oh yeah, yeah. It seems like it's part of like a steel refinery, maybe or mm-hmm. something. Um, and it is like it's a really big building, and they demolished it so that it would almost fall on uh, Oliver Grunier. Um, <laughs> like it's like it seems to land fairly close to him, and then yep. they also blow it up. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. and there's, there's shoot, there's shots where they're like setting off all these squibs on the front of brick buildings. The the building is getting completely fucked. It's got like, you know, glass exploding out of it. Um, and like just a ton of stunt work. And I feel like so much of this now would be done with like CGI or like green screen sets. And it just wouldn't have that feel of a bunch of people running around an abandoned building, just completely destroying it. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and, and I think we've we may have talked about this in, in an earlier episode about like how um if you do do it in a, a, a green screen, like it's not it doesn't you as a viewer don't feel like it's real because the actors can't really emote against like Okay, so imagine this tennis ball is, you know, yeah. the commissioner that's pursuing you. You're like, okay, I'm going to try my best, but, you know, it, it doesn't have the same feeling to it because, you know, what what actor is able to really emote against, like, something that, like, a, a, a snapshot, like, mm-hmm. An iPad with somebody's face on it uh, mm-hmm. held held up on a selfie stick. That doesn't really do much for me. Yeah. Or or like, you know, you, you have, you know, you actually have people sliding down objects, shooting, you know, actual, you know, blanks uh, out of actual guns. Right. Mm-hmm. And instead of like either, you know, th- th- like the CGI gunfire, like, put, come on, please. Like, really? Mm-hmm. Like, isn't isn't it much better to have. You know, the the actor get the to work through like firing, you know, something that has weight and they're holding it and isn't just mm-hmm. like, you know, let me pretend. It, it reminds me of when um uh what's his name who plays who played Obi-Wan uh in the prequels. Um Ewan McGregor. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Ewan McGregor had uh, was like constantly making like lightsaber noises with his mouth while he was acting, <laughs> apparently. Um oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like it's the equivalent of that like you know g- mm-hmm. g- getting getting them actually using like physical props uh and actually having people jump out of stuff and you know smash things just just looks good it's just cool things that you can film mm-hmm. <laughs> well i mean and and to the you know like it, we we talked about squibs here it's it's not so much the uh the cgi blood splatter uh the, god that always looks like you're like you're being shot and somehow you have like crude oil for blood or something yeah. it's, it just looks really fake uh here like the, the squibs are slightly different because they they sort of spark and they're 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 very mm-hmm. you know bright uh but but still like it, it feels I, I know I've used the word a couple times already, but it, it does feel very kinetic. You know, it just mm-hmm. brings a certain energy to it uh, that that you could not replicate with some poor overworked VFX yeah. tech. Uh, you know, like adding sparks, spark effects with his little computer. Mm-hmm. And speaking anyway, of speaking of, of effects, uh, I was to say we're we're coming up now on on one of the most. Uh, eyebrow raising effects in the film which is when they so farnsworth is not dead despite being blown up um and he's pursuing them through these kind of like calderas oh, and like, oh, like oh, hot hold, holes or something hold, hold on let's back up just a minute because the moment that i was like la i like i laughed so hard because they they the the chasing ends on a cliff with a waterfall very you know very yes. Very cool action set piece type of thing. And um, and Alex Rain, uh, Grunier, uh, basically uh, forward flips. And as he's as his head comes back around sort of uh, upside down, he fires a shot that basically is like a heat seeking missile and just blows up. <laughs> and I laughed so hard, like I laughed for a minute <laughs> 
That's so good. So good. <laughs> and I thought the first time I saw this film that that was going to be the crowning moment of the film, and I was wrong. Same, same. Much like you must have done, because a moment later we see that actually. Farnsworth was not blown up. He was merely had his skin blown off, and he is hmm. now a Terminator, like T eight hundred style metal skeleton, um, who who is angrily waving his arms around. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they blew up his uh, his exploding shotgun too. So yes, uh, yeah. So so uh, by that point, uh, I believe uh, the the hotel manager comes back. Uh, Yoshiro, uh, is, is there in like a, again, um, it looked very much like a, uh, the, the aliens, uh, transport vehicle mm-hmm. and picks both, uh, Max Impact and Alex Reen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a very, um, I, I think comparing it to like aliens is a, is a good call or yeah, it's that very like, it's. It's that very military industrial sci-fi feel that I think cyberpunk shares in common with certain varieties of like space opera type Mm sci-fi. And I think that connection between like the modernist look of military technology and then pushing it like, you know, 15 minutes into the future is really effective because Mm -hmm. I think I I think we, we have a sense um, and we we especially did in like the 80s and 90s that the military has a little bit of the technology of of the future in right like they're they're always or at least at the time they were always viewed as being like a little bit ahead of the curve like military technology has this particular allure to it like um i remember even in like neuromancer gibson always refers to like you know, military grade uh, AI ice, yeah, well, and military ice. grade ice as well. Well, it, it, and I think that that um, you know, not not to put too fine a point on it, but I, I think it probably stems from the fact that you know the internet as we know it, you know, like as we knew it in the eighties and nineties, was originally a DARPA project mm-hmm. for the military. So I'm I'm gonna guess that um, the the original sort of like cyberpunk uh, authors and writers and 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 creators probably had that you know tucked away in their mind whenever they were you know, writing about uh, even though it's it's now become you know very much like a RoboCop scenario mm-hmm. where where corporations now have sort of like um, taken over you know yeah. that type of tech. Um, it's interesting it, it, it to compare this there. It's it's interesting to compare this to something like, say, Upgrade, where the mm-hmm. military technology is seen as like a little bit outdated compared to, you know, the the uh, the corporate game. Right. Well, I mean, and, and I think that 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 reflects the sort of like the cyberpunk of now. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it, it being sort of like a basically like working with the VA, like it seems like uh, was it an upgrade? What was the. uh I forget the, the the name of it, but the the other project was was sort of like an NGO working with the VA to give you know exactly uh, wounded wounded warriors there you know like cybernetic limbs or whatever is seen as sort of like well <laughs> you you could continue to do that you know, yeah that do good stuff I, but if you really wanted to make money I think it's a very Cold War sort of touch right where where like there's all this, this cyberpunk leans heavily on this idea of like. Cold War technology, whether it's the literal, actual, mm-hmm. you know, our world Cold War or some kind of like hypothetical, you know, like 
World War Three type Cold War that that happens in like 2015 or something, and you know, mm-hmm. and, and changes what the future looks like. It it very much has that that kind of that that touch to it, that kind of like Cold War hangover, like post conflict hangover, sort of sort of. Yeah, I could uh, see that. Style yeah, like like it. even even like in something like Neuromancer, where the uh, in that opening scene, the it's the Russian bartender who yep. has like a a horrible monstrosity of like a, a prosthetic arm. That he basically mm-hmm. is a Russian maid and like his teeth are all fucked up too because they've run through with all sorts of like, uh, like metal and shit. <laughs> it's like, damn, you, you couldn't like the Russians couldn't give you a good one. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I guess here, uh, in uh, Nemesis, in addition to like the kind of cool army surplus, uh, VTOL type, type jet, we also get a very different sort of uh technology where that again the the kind of metal ray harryhausen skeleton of mm, uh, farnsworth mm. <laughs> suddenly v- v- again very very uh alien, alien style yeah. suddenly mm. rips open the door uh and starts fist fighting oliver grunier in what is an amazing <laughs> sequence where they're just fucking rock'em sock'em robotsing each other <laughs> And I forget, uh, did at the end, basically, he's got him pinned and he's going to like, uh, he, he wants to basically like, uh, like erase him, right? Like erase his human side and bring him over because yes. th- that again is, is one of the things, uh, actually, now that I think of it, it, it's one of the things that it shares with, uh, upgrade, uh, Farnsworth doesn't want to kill Alex Rain. He wants to recruit him. He wants to bring him over to his yeah. side because he. What, what was it? He's he's almost all the way there anyway. He's, so well, yeah. He's he's only eighty five point six percent human because of all of the cyborg replacement parts that that he's been given. And there's also there's a specifically a part where like Alex gets shot in the side and he's like, "That's going to be another five percent." <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Uh, and so, uh, he basically like, I forget, does he, does he use something or he just sort of like lets his arm get ripped off? So so two things happen. One is, um, Farnsworth pulls uh, in a a surprisingly gruesome effect, like pulls Alex's head against like the kind of ripped metal of the door and slices the top of his scalp off, revealing his like robot skull underneath. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and and then yes, uh, he's he's got Alex's arm, and he says like we we built you all all those parts we gave them to you, and Alex says well then you can have them back, and he like lets his arm get ripped off, uh, and then um, Farnsworth goes no <laughs> no as he falls, he falls, he, he falls down into well, the volcano, and, and, yeah, <laughs> they're flying just just at that moment they're flying over the volcano, so a practical uh, volcano. One presumes. Yes. One presumes it was just actual lava, which again is a nice touch to see some actual <laughs> lava in a film. <laughs> I, I do like that um, th- there is some care because I always sort of I always sort of uh, roll my eyes a little bit at how close people can get to lava in movies. This is in, even includes Lord of the Rings, even though I love Lord of the Rings. But I'm sorry, Sam and and, and Frodo that close <laughs> to lava would have been crispy critters, man. <laughs> yes. There's two very cooked hobbits. Um, yeah, he like even a hundred feet up, he's just like boom, just explodes. It's just like okay, yeah, that 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 would probably happen. It, it looks so good. Everything, the, like actually, the worst effect in the film is just the fairly straightforward one of like the jet flying out of like the mountain base. Mm, Doesn't yeah. look very good. The the 
the like cyborg skeleton stuff all looks terrific. Like it convincingly looks like he's fighting him. Like it yeah, doesn't yeah. quite have the weight that you would expect, but like mm-hmm. it, it like it's it's almost insulting to call it like a Harryhausen uh, skeleton because it really looks quite good, especially like you know composited together with like an actual human actor doing martial arts. I mean, I would I would argue that the initial shot when we get to see that Farnsworth's skin is <laughs> only that, going that on, looks a little just, silly. It looks a little yeah, like like it looks it, a bit it, funny. It looks a little like um they 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 trans they they sort of like overlaid like some PS one era graphics, <laughs> but it, you know like after that it looks great. Like honestly, it it I think he again uh, Pune is wise enough to keep it. At, to close quarters, like very close shots, uh, so that you don't get to see all of the cyborg at once. It could be a puppet. Who knows? Uh, yeah, like like it 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 comes across as very convincing and menacing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What What's funny is that uh, apparently, by the way, all this sci-fi stuff was something that got added to the film concept like fa- fairly late in the game. Um, this was mm. a, the, this film was originally supposed to be about a 13-year-old girl who was an undercover cop uh, who was infiltrating a group of neo-Nazis to find a serial killer. Wow. Was what Nemesis started as. (laughs) Um, And then at some point, uh, Pune said, wait, I am really interested in cyberpunk now, so I want to make this in the future. Uh, it was the, the film was briefly going to be set 400 years in the future on Mars, um, mm. and then they they dialed it back to be uh, you know on on Earth and in the near future. Um, and one of the last changes uh, was ditching the the 13 year old girl main character um, because Canon would not fund it unless unless he agreed to use newfound kickboxing star Oliver Grudier. <laughs> so that was the final change that made Nemesis Nemesis. It, this was almost the same film, but instead of starring, uh, you know, French kickboxer, uh, it was going to be starring a 13-year-old girl. <laughs> well, there, there you have it. You just needed to sprinkle a little bit of Gruniere on your um, on your movie. It becomes a whole different recipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the film concludes with the kind of weird reveal that, like, this global android conspiracy is still going. Um and then uh, Alex shoots the the one LAPD android right in the dick, and his dick like explodes. <laughs> Basically, like it does a shot of his his like pants like exploding. <laughs> yes. I, again, this is uh, this is uh, Nicholas Guest. Yes. <laughs> I felt it was germane to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so so how I have to ask because there's apparently multiple versions of the ending. How did your all versions of this film end? Uh, it ends with, uh, Alex and Max Impact, apparently not, neither one of them owning an umbrella, uh, getting rained, like soaked in rain as they're talking about how they're, they're going to take a, they're going to take a flight. I forget to where, uh, and, uh, she asks him, 
well, you know, given given all your parts, how are you going to get through the metal detector? And he says, <laughs> one piece at a time. <laughs> yes, that's how mine ended. Okay, so yours didn't have the voice that says, uh, should we take them out now? And then another one says, why not? Oh, 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 yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I keep on forgetting because it feels like almost like, uh, what's that, uh, like that uh, after after production uh, voice yes. <laughs> insertion oh, yeah. or whatever. It's very strange. It's and I don't know if they, because the first time I saw this film, it definitely didn't have that. And then this time it did. And I looked online and there, there are apparently, there's apparently a version, a version of this, which is like the full director's cut has that. So I wonder if that's to explain why, why Oliver Grunier doesn't return in uh, Nemesis <laughs> two, which we should discuss mo- momentarily. Um, but so there's a version that doesn't have the final metal skeleton fight at all, which I'm glad that I didn't see that version. I would be angry. And then there's a version that is exactly like this, but doesn't have that last final little bit of dialogue. So again, I wonder if that was Pune going back at some point and G- George Lucas style trying to explain away inconsistencies. In his filmography. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, today, you know that this would be like uh, an after credit scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's called it's it's called the Grunier Initiative. <laughs> um, so so Chris, um, yeah, you you having watched the rest of these films, I'd love mm-hmm. for some thoughts on them. Yeah, so basically, what happens is uh, Alex Rain is resurrected. However, uh, she's now a uh, you know muscle bound bodybuilder, um, and she uh, and it, it kind of just like continues on from there uh there's so there's two and three and four she's in them like more or less like the the strange thing is like he gets also gets more and more women like women bodybuilder in, in the movies <laughs> as they go along uh hey, and man, the, power to him do yeah, it man. i mean in the final movie she's almost like naked almost the entire time as well like it gets fetishistic at a, like at a certain point um and it's kind of like it's just it's just really wild stuff like it, it none of it tim thomerson shows up maybe i think in the one um as a completely different character um he's he's not playing the commissioner farnsworth um i don't think um but yeah they're they're, they're kind of just all over the place it's you know as to be expected as as i said before where you kind of just like have a bunch of extra money and you're just like let's make it a sequel to one of my movies i i remember so i i watched most of nemesis 2 which a huge amount of the film is um gosh what what's her name the the actor who who plays the main character yeah who I, I actually like she's not she's not uh amazing but she's too price she does, is that it yes yes but she, yeah. like she all you know she's not she's not a she wasn't a professional actor i don't believe i think she was just like a bodybuilder yeah and she she does a decent job for you know for, under those circumstances she does and and her almost her entire filmography is nemesis films and then something called Ro- robo woman <laughs> came out in 2019 which is it a is it a pune film i wonder it's not a pune film it is it is not that um, but, uh, yeah, I, I remember a large chunk of the film with her with like a central African group, like, yes, do, yes. Doing kind of like avatar ish stuff mm-hmm. with, yep. with, uh, uh, with the white lady dreadlocks as I recall. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, like it wasn't, it wasn't bad, but it, it didn't, it didn't have the, the zhuzh that, uh, that, that the first film 
did. Right. Exactly. It, it yeah. didn't have the hundreds of stunt people, you know, flying off of every building and <laughs> firing every squib produced that year. <laughs> Got to get those orders in early is yes. what, what I'm hearing. <laughs> All right. So um, do we have any last thoughts on this movie other than, yeah, go watch it. It's like a, it's like an hour and a half. <laughs> it's, a great, mm-hmm. it's a great time. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. I, I yeah. have to admit. Absolutely. I, I would say watch this film. And if you want more stuff that will scratch a similar itch, uh, maybe check out the American Ninja franchise. Mm-hmm. Not really within the purview of this particular podcast, but it's it's got a similar vibe vibe to it. But but instead of cyborgs, it's ninjas. Everyone turns out to be a ninja. There's secret ninja conspiracies all over the place. <laughs> Hey, you know, uh, <laughs> this, you know, uh, what's, what's the quote? Uh, the, the old world is dead. The, the, the new one is struggling to be born. Uh, this is a time of ninjas. <laughs> All right. Um, well, gents, uh, Chris, thank you. Uh, and, and Kurt, thank you as well. I think both of you, uh, sort of needled me to watch this. <laughs> yes. uh, I, Finally got around to it. Sorry, sorry, it took a while. I was I was almost nervous when the when uh, C- Cyborg was the first pune that we watched because I was like, this isn't as good as Nemesis. It's not as good. It's not bad, but it's not as it's not it's no Nemesis. <laughs> I mean, I think that Cyborg has a lot of charm to it as well, and I I, I also think that um, uh, John Claude Van Damme is is deployed oh, yes. very oh, yes. very well there as well. Uh, he he has the charm that uh, and Olivier Olivier <laughs> Grenier does not. Sadly, uh, and, no. and he's pretty good in this. I got to admit, you know, no, he's pretty if, good for what it is. If we wanted to do um, another uh, pune, we could also we we could of course do the sword and the sorcerer, uh, mm-hmm. which is oh yeah, which the, is the an tri- absurd is that the film. Tri sword, yes, uh, absolutely. Yes, yes. A, a yes, a a three bladed sword that is fired like a rocket launcher at your mm-hmm. opponents. <laughs> yeah, you, well, I mean that's that's uh, putting the rocket pellet grenade, grenade into the yeah. RPG aspects. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I think we could we could probably do that. I don't uh, I don't remember right off the bat. Uh, is that still up on Tubi or something like that? It probably is. I'm not sure. Yeah, probably. Anyway. And I will say, uh, Nemesis is on Tubi, so. It is. That, which is the, it, Tubi's the people's streaming service. So, of course, it, that's the perfect way to watch Nemesis. All of the American <laughs> Ninja films up to five also on Tubi. There we go. <laughs> um, Kurt, is American Ninja one of the the movies have Lee Van Cleef as one of the um, evil ninjas? Or is that another one? I don't think so. Lee Van Cleef as a ninja. That's an interesting one. I don't know. I'll have to look it up because I I have a distinct uh, memory. There is a there's a TV series called The Master, um, hmm. which is uh, uh, apparently is stars uh, Lee Van Cleef as an aging ninja master. Um, oh yes, yes, yes. That might be that. That's I've never seen it, but that's that's what comes up when I search for Lee Van Cleef ninja. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, um, they edited a bunch of those episodes into a movie and that was featured then on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Okay. 
That, anyway, the master. This is the one I'm about thinking. Scientology, right? A lot more ninjas in, in this than I was <laughs> This L. Ron Hubbard, I guess he was really forming a ninja clan, really. <laughs> uh, think about how much, how, how different the world would be if instead of L. Ron Hubbard writing his whole, like, what if science fiction was the basis of, the, of a religion? He was like, what if ninjas <laughs> were the basis <laughs> of my religion, my, my new religion? You're reminding me of uh You'd have to do uh, like something. A ninja audits, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Please proceed. No, no, you're also reminding me now now that we're talking about ninjas, you're reminding me of uh Electra Assassin. Oh, uh yeah. with with uh the, the the hand and oh my god, that 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 we, we one of these days I, I it's it's difficult to talk about like uh like comics. Uh on on like an audio format because a lot of the the appeal is really the artwork and whatnot. But uh, I would do it, but but I'd like to do it mainly because I, I I'd heard that um, that was uh, mostly like Frank Miller is the the writer of record of that series, but apparently he was down. I forget exactly what he, he was out of commission in some way, shape, or form, and Senkowitz was probably doing a lot of the writing. So, and I think it it comes across. But anyway, um, I think that uh, we have digressed far and far, far, far <laughs> from our original mission here. Um, but gents, uh, again, thanks for joining me for this. Uh, thanks for reminding me and keeping up <laughs> the reminders to watch Nemesis. Uh, it, it has now happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone out there, go watch it. And we want to thank you afterwards for watching it. But we'll catch you next time here on Podside. <laughs>